everyone, welcome to Geeks with Shields, your home for all things good and nerdy in this, the darkest timeline. I'm Lord Turner Ulrich, and with me as always is... The Shield brother, Axel Wright. How you doing today, Axel? I'm doing pretty well, actually. I had a good weekend. Um, looking forward to this week. So, yeah, feeling pretty good. Weather not too bad? Uh, it snowed heavy on, like, um, Friday, which was a bitch to drive in, but it's already melting, so all good. Yeah, we're sitting about a foot of snow that melts off and then comes back every day. So, lots of fun there. Yep, yep. All right, on today's episode, we'll be sharing our review for Marvel's Black Panther. Now, this will be a spoiler-filled review, so if you haven't seen it yet, hit the Watch Later button on YouTube and come back later. And we mean riddled, so yeah, do that. (laughs) Yeah, the uh, Disney check cleared, so we're ready to talk about it. (laughs) So before we dive in, I kind of want to talk about one of my favorite things of going to the movies, and that's seeing the trailers. I don't know about you, but that's actually something I look forward to, is seeing the trailers. Well, okay, I don't remember who said this. Um, I remember hearing it like a long time ago, like 10 years ago or something like that. But someone said that uh, trailers, one of the great things about trailers is that, and I think it was a comedian who said this, trailers allow everyone in the audience to be a movie critic for just a moment, right? Because general people, and this is, I think, pretty frequent, you see a trailer, and like the first thing you do is you lean over to whoever you're with and say whatever shit came to your mind about the trailer. Like, oh, this looks yeah. crap. No, typically it's either that looks good or pass. Yeah, but I think that there's a, that, that's a, like a kind of interesting communal experience. And so, yeah, I, I like really to I never thought about that. Uh, one of the things I learned to do, which is kind of an interesting game to play, is go when you go to watch a movie, pay attention to the trailers and see if there were more good trailers than bad trailers and see what type and see how the movie is on a scale of good to bad. I've found that you get 50-50 odds. If the trailers are bad, you typically the movie wasn't too good. But right now it's about 50-50 odds. Um, I guess. I mean, I've seen plenty of great movies with terrible trailers, but I can go with it. And, uh, no, this one falls on the positive side. For me, of course, you have the obligatory um, Infinity Wars trailer, which I think I've seen over a dozen times now, and it still gives <laughs> me goosebumps. It's great, and I didn't realize until that trailer... Like, okay, so there was a video I watched a while back. I can't remember who did it. It was called, like, The Symphonic World of the MCU. And basically, it's a video explaining why, in general, the music in the Marvel movies doesn't stand out in people's brains. You know, not like Indiana Jones or Star Wars or, well, anything by John Williams. But uh, he, this video explains, like, why... The, the psychological reasons why these songs don't like get in your head. And I think that's true, but I didn't realize until the infinity war trailer that, that, that like Avengers uh, sequence of notes, cause it's not really a song, just that sequence of notes that duh, 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 like that yeah. kicked off something primal in me. It was like, yes, yes. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. I, like I said, I still kind of have to, you know, fist bump in the theater when I hear that maybe it's a bit of Pavlov's dog. And you like, every time I hear those three notes, something awesome is about to happen. I bet that actually is a big part of the reason. Yeah. Um, Just associate with a good movie time. Yeah. Uh, The other trailer for me was Rampage. You know, Rampage is interesting because... um, So really, I don't consider it a a video game movie. Yes, by pure definition, it is a movie made from a video game. But considering that the plot of the video game was you're a giant monster, destroy the city... And they've actually created a plot for Rampage that is, you know, a lot more than that. I feel like they're just taking, um, like the uh, the interesting you know, the monsters from it 
and just making a, a monster movie out of that. I mean, I'm perfectly fine with that. Like, I loved Rampage growing up. So Yeah, I'm the opposite, though. I liked the kind of tongue-in-cheek humor it got in later editions where the reason you became a monster was because the soda company <laughs> wasn't quite up to par in their... Uh, what's the word I'm searching for here? Making sure they weren't putting things in there they weren't supposed to. So the they're, reason they're they were attacking was it was a cover-up. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm... I understand that, but I feel I think like... that would have been a more interesting story than Dwayne Johnson's friend that's a gorilla goes. It could be good. It could be bad. I'm really on the fence about it. I don't expect it to be a good movie, but I expect it to be a fun movie. Because, like, okay, you give me The Rock, so already it's going to be funny. Because Rock has, like, got great comedic timing, even if he's in Yeah, bad surprisingly movie. so. Uh and as long as you give me enough scenes of the giant CGI monsters beating the crap out of each other, I'll be pretty sated, even if it's a bad movie. Like, see, Godzilla, 2014. Most of that movie, not great. 11 solid minutes of kick-ass Godzilla, and I'm willing to defend that movie. So, mm. We'll exactly. have to talk about that yeah. one in the other time. But I think in talking giant monsters and giant cool things, uh, Pacific Rim 2. Uh, whatever the hell that's called. Uh, I don't remember. It had some sub name. So, okay, bad, so, yeah, yeah. Uh, Pacific Rim. I think, like me, you were a big on the original Pacific Rim. I remember when I sat down in the movie theater to see Pacific Rim one, and the first thing was the word kaiju. And we've established before, I'm an old school Godzilla fan. I, I watched Godzilla vs. Megalon on VHS more times than I can count. So just the acknowledgement there hooked me. And then yeah, giant robots fighting giant monsters. Gave me what I wanted. So, the if- turtle flick, and no, uh, it's, I'm excited for it. Unfortunately, I think it's going to fall during the movie embargo for us because we're so close to, you know, having our daughter that we're kind of avoiding movies mm. in later in March. I got to check because I know I'm missing Super Troopers 2 for it. But yeah. yeah, I, so I have a similar thing. I don't think, well, not, not to the, um, the embargo, I have nothing keeping me from going to see it. But, uh, <laughs> I was uh, going to say, uh, something you want to tell me? <laughs> No, no, no. But um, I'm when I was saying similar thing about you know the movie. Anyway, uh, I expect uh, Pacific Rim two will probably be fun again. And if the movie ends up, you know, so like Pacific Rim one, I've argued with people like who tell me that they think Pacific Rim one is like a cartoon, and they're not wrong. But that's kind of what I like about it. There's nothing so, wrong with that. Yeah, and so as long as Pacific Rim 2 delivers on that same kind of experience, you know, I'll, I'll be happy. Although I personally think, and I, a few friends might have agreed with me, that I, uh, just from a storyline perspective, I would have rather seen a prequel, like the beginning of the, the yeah. War of the Kaiju. I thought that was a much more interesting place to go. But this one also, we're getting, it looks like we're getting more giant robots fighting robots fighting Kaiju. We're getting a bit more uh, diversity in our yeah. well, giant we- smash mobs. Yeah, well, I gotta review the movie I have, not the movie I want. So, I mean, if I was my job was to review a movie I want, I'd spend every episode talking about Megas XLR the movie. So, oh, someday, <laughs> if we can get a final season of Samurai Jack, we can get a Megas XLR movie. Ah, uh, the hope will never die, as doomed as it is. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, right. but I'm I'm looking forward to Pacific Rim too. Anything you see that was different than those three trailers that you want to uh, talk about? A Wrinkle in Time. I keep seeing stuff related to this now i know this is based on some like beloved book or something like that i actually never heard of it before this um uh, i read it briefly for two chapters in the sixth grade and got bored and put it down well, well all i know is all that the experience uh, i have with it <laughs> all i know is that visually and 
uh, I I'm a sucker for when things look unique. So like the the visuals of Wrinkle of Time seem to be, for lack of a better term, tacky, but in the most like bombastic way. I'm kind of uh, impressed by the balls <laughs> required to 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 shoot the way they seem to be shooting. And I don't know much about the story, but I'm interested in seeing it just as like a a, a sense pleasure experience. Yeah, no, that's kind of what I'm at. I really don't remember anything about it. Um, the trailers haven't given me much to work with, but it looks interesting. So I'll probably give it a watch just based on the fact that it looks interesting. Yeah, yeah. And I don't really remember other trailers that were going. Um, I know there was more that, Black like, I, yeah. I know there were more that I, I were notable, but I just can't remember them right now. So whatevs. It'll come back around. So uh, let's talk about Black Panther. And just, you know, real quick, if people want to listen to this point and tune out, good movie, bad movie, just your uh, spoiler-free thoughts. My spoiler-free thoughts on Black Panther? Uh, just a quick rundown. Okay, well, it's... <laughs> I mean, this is really simple. It's a Marvel movie. Like, uh, with the exception, I know, you don't have to say anything, but my personal opinion and the general consensus there's there's not really a bad marvel movie there are ones that are less good so if you enjoy marvel movies go see this that's that's literally it's super easy that's my my job there is you want a spoiler free black panther review if you like marvel go see this yeah um i agree with you even though there are marvel movies i'm not a big fan of you know iron man 3 there aren't bad marvel movies and there are, there are some I like more than others. Yeah, this is a good film. Go see it. Um, if only for it's visually stunning and it's something different we haven't seen before. Yeah. Well, I, I want to talk about that more at length, but uh, that's a good point. Yeah, certainly. It is, while it is a Marvel movie, the aesthetic they choose is something that I'm not used to as a moviegoer, and that was refreshing and nice. Yeah, no, I real quick want to, you know, a little bit of background for this. I have been excited for a Black Panther movie since Sam Raimi's Spider-Man. Color me impressed. Like, I was thinking about it because I remember when Sam Raimi's Spider-Man first came out and that, you know, that first trilogy started kicking off. My brothers and I were sitting around talking like, wow, we're actually going to get, you know, comic book movies that are good. I wonder what other mm-hmm. ones are going to do. And we were thinking, oh, Captain America will be awesome. Thor will be awesome. Black Panther. Black Panther will be cool, but he's going to be tricky because of the obvious, you know, name connotations. And we're like, yeah, it would be, but they're probably never going to do Black Panther. And then here we are, 20-some years later, doing Black Panther. As a side note, um, so we've made it a point not to be political on this show, and we're going to keep that up. But I do want to say that one of the funniest things related to Black Panther I saw was someone posting, like, can you imagine if they made a movie about a hidden Scandinavian kingdom with future tech and called it like what white Panther? And then someone else commented that that's called Thor. You're talking about Thor <laughs> and they did it three times. Yeah. No, anyway. the controversy around this movie was dumb. Just dumb. That's all I I'm, have to say about I've it. I've got a lot I can say about it, but this show's not for that. So no, we're, we're your escapism from the dark universe. So no black Panther. Um, like I said, I've been super excited about this since they dropped the Wakanda Easter egg way back in Iron Man 2. I was like, wow, they're really going to do Black Panther. This is going to be cool. Um, and yeah, this is probably one of my most anticipated movies of the year, only right behind uh, Infinity War. And uh, just I'll, I'll gush forever, so why don't you just you know jump in here? 
Well, I think it's funny about that is that I think I was more excited for Black Panther than Infinity War only because, okay, Infinity War, uh, the chances of Infinity War being bad are so astronomically small. There's a perfectly good chance that it's just fine and enjoyable and popcorny. But even if that's all it is, if I get, you know, banter and dialogue between all these characters that we've come to know in these other movies, then that's perfectly fine. So, like, I knew that um, you know, I'm going to I'm going to super enjoy Infinity Wars, basically you know, unless something extremely weird happens, but Black Panther, I don't, I didn't know too much about. And to my um, perspective, uh, Marvel so far has only failed when it comes to uh, Iron Fist and the, um, uh, the Inhumans. So those oh, are the yeah. only two, yeah, those are the only two like straight failures. And even Iron Fist universally are agreed upon. Yeah, exactly. So, and with Black Panther, like the amount of hype surrounding it. So, okay, I've got a friend of mine who I've had long discussions with about the nature of hype. Now, personally, I don't actually think hype uh, affects my enjoyment of a movie too much, um, a little bit. But generally speaking, I, I don't think it does. He's more of the opinion that if something's really overhyped, then it damages his enjoyment of the movie because he sees it as supposed to be something more. I think to each their own in this situation. But go on. Yeah, exactly. So my point is that I don't really know too much about Black Panther. I didn't read a lot of the um, the comics. I thought he was amazing in Civil War, which you know was just great. Uh, but I was I was really interested to see what they were going to do with Black Panther as a character, like more so than Infinity, because Infinity War is probably going to be a, you know a big like well not a fireworks display like original Avengers were because it's going to be like you know, the first part of like a, a multi-part thing, but it's going to be mostly about interactions and fun times. But most yeah. of, uh, most of the Marvel movies, like one of the reasons why they're successful. It's also one of the reasons why they tend to have weak villains is because the movies are focused on the growth of their main characters in a lot of ways. And while T'Challa was cool in civil war, and I don't know too much about black Panther. So I was super interested to see what his arc, his character growth was going to be in his own movie. So that, I was more excited for that in that regard because I felt like there was something more risky and more like not of a known factor in Black Panther than in Infinity War. Yeah, I gotta agree. Um, honestly, I mean, though I am not qualified, I believe as strongly to say this, the cultural relevance of this movie cannot be ignored. Well, okay, this tips a little into the politics thing again i'm going to try to keep it light but i, I remember reading an article someone recently wrote about like you know don't forget about blade and i admit i i'm not a huge yeah. fan of blade and I am. i'm not, <laughs> not going to understate the importance of blade but there is a distinction like you know blade was black superhero and and all that but but black panther isn't just like a black superhero it's like the like an african straight up African superhero and African nature with a nation with an African uh, aesthetic and culture. Like, and for that to be, you know, the biggest movie in the in the United States, like that is important. <laughs> yeah. So no, I'm not going to go into it just because one, I'm not qualified to, and two, that's not what this podcast is for. This is just for us to gush about how much we love black Panther. Agreed. And uh, no, that works as a great segue for me costume design in this movie was amazing well see they that, that's... managed to take baku and make him look cool oh i loved mbaku with his fur armor no he was awesome but have you seen his comic book design no i haven't he looks like he's wearing a gorilla suit literally <laughs> it's well, dumb armor... it doesn't work 
but well it's funny because i saw his armor in the first you know what the first thing i thought when i saw his armor was i want that uh, mod i want that mod in skyrim so i could wear that yeah <laughs> uh yeah but no the so i mentioned earlier how it looks different and it's like okay so i've heard this term thrown around uh, afrofuturism now again i don't i don't know much about it i'm not a professional movie critic i'm just a guy who likes movies uh well i do know though that i see something like you know 15 to 20 movies a year maybe and uh, more so in some years but i feel like i've rarely if ever seen something that looks like black panther like i love all the the super colorful clothing and like just the the weird okay this this one will sound a little weird but like i'm into hair in general like when it comes to women and yet the the bald thing like these women were so badass and awesome i was like if they're rocking it and it actually is working for me even though i normally that's that's weird to me this movie's kind of started affecting my or like challenging my um my preconceptions about that kind of stuff mm, no like i said i am really looking forward to the cosplays that are going to come out of this movie i've already seen a bunch like people going to the theater in Wakandan outfits. Yeah. Um. One. One of my biggest fears from the very beginning was they weren't going to be able to, you know, bring that, you know, of the technology with the tradition of Wakanda, or they were going to be afraid to, or you know, they were kind of just gonna, they weren't gonna do it right. And no, they was looked like it just came right out of the comic books. Yeah. I also it looked love... real at the same time though. It didn't yeah. look cheesy or fake. I've heard a few people mention. Um like a couple scenes of shoddy green screen. Like there's a scene where there's a, a waterfall and a bunch of people on it. And I've heard several critics refer to that as looking fake. I didn't notice. Yeah, like, it kind of does. There's only one that I really noticed. Uh, and that was one? when we first meet the war rhino. Oh, well, yeah, there's a rhino covered in armor. Look, really, not only is it in the rhino in armor, just when it's in the pen. Huh. I, I really huh. look kind of stuck out to me. It's like, you know, you had how much money spent on this movie? Why are there bad effects? at all well yeah okay also before we continue i feel like we've jumped over something important so theoretically anyone listening at this point will have seen black panther but if for some reason uh you're still listening and you don't care or maybe you don't actually plan to see it because your budgetary constraints but you somehow want to still listen to us talk about it a um quick summary is uh so black panther or wakanda is this hidden african nation that is a super technology advanced way more than the rest of the world because a meteor of vibranium is in their uh, their country landed you know thousands of years ago and that allowed them to progress technologically although the rest of the world thinks they're a farming nation because they keep all their tech hidden the black panther the titular black panther is the king of wakanda uh there is a guy played by uh andy circus um who has been essentially raiding uh wakanda for vibranium for like 30 years and Black Panther's dad never caught him. So he teams up with this other guy who, you know, we don't know much about at first. We end up finding out his name is Killmonger, but I'll get back to that in a second. Um, some crazy stuff goes down. The important thing you need to know is that uh, Black Panther doesn't catch Andy Serkis. Killmonger then kills Andy Serkis and uses him as basically a bartering chip to get into Wakanda, where you find out he's actually like the, the cousin of uh, T'Challa, the Black Panther. So then he challenges Black Panther to a a duel for the throne he wins and it looks like black panther's dead but he's not killmonger wants to use wakanda's technology to take over the world essentially i mean it's more complicated than that we'll talk about that more in detail but for purposes of this summary uh black panther comes back and with the help of his friends 
takes back the throne. There's a lot more nuance and interesting stuff, but that's your really that's basic the point rundown. Yeah. But so that does bring up something I want to talk about, though. Oh, go ahead. I think Andy Serkis, was it just me? Or was Andy Serkis having the time of his life in this movie? You know, I did see him in an interview saying that he was sad that he died because he really wanted to do more. Because, yeah, I, I got the impression that he certainly was having a really fun time. Yeah, he's not wearing a bunch of stuff on his face and he actually gets <laughs> to, you know, crack jokes and have a really... He was a fun character and I am kind of bummed he's dead. Because yeah. Claw is an interesting character in the comics. I, I don't know much about him, so I just have Andy Serkis' portrayal to go off of now. So. Uh, the cool thing is basically his family has been on a revenge quest against Wakanda because they tried to invade it way back as Dutch conquerors, and they swore a vow of vengeance to one day conquer Wakanda. Huh. That actually... So there's this underlying idea in Wakanda where the, the Wakandans refer to outsiders, particularly of a, a certain type of outsider, as uh, colonizers. It's like an insult. And I thought that was really neat, and it sounds like um, uh, he ties right into that idea. <laughs> so. That was the ongoing yeah, premise. And I kind of wish they'd done that, but at the same time, I don't know. He's not the main focus. Killmonger is. And it's refreshing to see an interesting, well-written, well-rounded villain that I'm okay won't be back because his story arc was contained. Well, so, so okay, so Michael B. Jordan, who has already proven in previous ventures that he is the real deal. I know me and a bunch of my friends, for instance, thought Creed was absolutely fantastic, largely because of him. And now acting alongside Sylvester Stallone, big deal. But uh, so we're going to talk about Killmonger at the bat. Like that's a lot of the hype following the the critics. So I have a set of like five critics that when I see a movie, I then go and watch their view, uh, videos of to be uh, perfectly clear, not to like you know try to warp my own opinion, but because I'm one person with one perspective, and I like hearing what other perspectives are. Maybe I thought of, didn't think about it a certain way. Maybe. I'll disagree and they'll give me something to like talk about with someone else, or maybe I will agree and I'll like kind of, you know, think about it some more. So I like, I like hearing other perspectives and I have a, a set of people I, I go to and almost all of them that I watch and pay attention to uh, focus on primarily on Michael B. Jordan's performance as Killmonger being a, uh, you know, the best movie Marvel villain since Loki easily. Yeah, like, Vulture was good, but yeah, I'd definitely put him up there in that uh, echelon of really good characters. Because his motivation was relatable, if not understandable. As a side note, and you've heard me say this before, um, Michael Keaton as Vulture, fantastic. Really, my only problem with him is that the stakes he creates are hollow for me. But he, yeah. as the Vulture, really fun. But, like, Killmonger, you know, he's trying to basically destroy the world with Wakandan tech. Like, the I feel a lot more. So, well, he raises a really good question that is kind of the central or pivotal point of the movie is because Wakanda has this technology, don't they owe it to the rest of the world to help where they can? Essentially, it's cultural responsibility. And this is another place where it's really difficult to talk about without touching on uh, real world ish examples. But I'm going to try my best because, yeah, uh, the idea that Wakanda has basically been hidden and they have all this great tech, and they don't allow the rest of the world to have it because they used to be attacked for it, essentially. So the movie very directly asks this question of, uh, is there such thing as essentially um, geopolitical responsibility of a country, especially a country more advanced than the rest of the world? And what's great about that is that the movie 
when I talked earlier about um, Black Panther T'Challa specifically, have him going through his arc, he has a, a personal arc that's like very personal, and then like a an arc as king, and they tie together, and that's what makes I think T'Challa great in this movie, and it has to do directly with that question because T'Challa and kings have always been isolationist, and then T'Challa is basically the the king who, spoiler alert, again. Uh, breaks that pattern at the end by saying no this isn't right anymore we are going to outreach and help the rest of the world we do have a responsibility yeah and it really works within the setting of the mcu because uh, i think it kind of goes back to the nick fury's line from the first avenger do you think you're the only one you're getting to this world with bigger and bigger events and more and more superheroes can you responsibly just not be involved well, what's, what's particularly great about that concept in this movie is that, so, uh, Killmonger, right, he also actually believes that it's wrong for Wakanda to be isolationist. So he becomes a, uh, but he believes it before T'Challa believes it. So in a way, um, okay, so there's a there's a guy on YouTube I really like called uh, Super Eye Patch Wolf. He mostly talks about anime, but he does really good, interesting videos. And he has a video called... Um, what makes a villain feel real? And he talks about how, generally speaking, uh, villains being an antagonist, they are the ones who initiate change. Like, villains are the action and heroes are the reaction. You can get, like, go watch that video if you want a more detailed breakdown. But this is a good example of that where T'Challa is perfectly willing to, like, kind of sit in tradition. There's a few things, like, he's got an ex who's more like, we need to help them. But generally speaking, T'Challa's very, like, okay, I'm going to be like my dad and be isolationist and then killmonger shows up and basically throws that out the window and so then by the end t'challa basically comes around to killmonger's way of thinking but different because whereas killmonger wanted to take over the world and rule it uh using their tech black panther's like okay we aren't gonna be isolationists but we're not gonna be conquerors either because that makes us like the colonizers we criticize instead we're going to help people and you know, uh, cooperate and things like that. See, I don't know if it occurred to you, but I thought it was kind of funny sitting there watching it. And uh, Killmonger's plan is essentially the theoretical we have for New Sparta. <laughs> we're going to get the best technology, we're going to take over, and then we'll make the world better because you don't have a choice. Uh, well, what's funny about Killmonger's uh, pathology is that it's very understandable. Like, Yes. Th okay, there's a certain elephant in the room then we're going to leave it in the room. We'll, I'll just comment on saying that, uh, again, Ulrich and I are not qualified to say this particular topic, but I will say that there is a, a, a demographic of people, especially for which Killmonger's philosophy is extremely relatable. I can actually relate to it, just not the same level. So we're going to talk about it. Oh, the amount of subtext and metaphor going on in this movie is really what I think takes it up another level is there is so much to digest and pick apart that's just not a super that's not above just a superhero film. Well, yeah, the context and metaphor is also great, but uh I, well an important thing one of the things that makes Killmonger so great other than having a a sympathetic pathology is they take the time with just like two scenes to to build him up as not just a relatable character but like, you know, a character who you can imagine exists outside of this world like we look at some of the worst villains in the mcu uh uh what's his name um the guy 
from Iron Man Two is my is my preferred example. Whiplash. Okay, you look at Whiplash, and it's like great beginning, terrible payoff. Exactly. Like they give you a storyline, right? You get to see like the thing with his uh, his dad, but it doesn't feel like you don't really feel too much coming from. And it's not like Mickey Rourke's a bad actor. It's just no, he's a fantastic actor. He just wasn't given much to work. Exactly. And so for the rest of the movie, you basically just see uh, Whiplash be kind of like smarmy and. You don't really feel much from, at least not in my opinion, but like Killmonger has this this scene where he gets basically to go on a vision quest and see his father who died at the hands of T'Challa's father. And it's just small, but things like how the second he sees the vision of his father, he is a child again. So that basically tells us like how he mentally is in his current state, but then he makes a statement about what he's going to do to Wakanda, and that's when he changes back into an adult, thus showing you like not only where he comes from, where his pathos, but how his resolve works and how he views himself as a person. And it's like that's that's just a lot of complex stuff wrapped up in maybe a what a three four minute scene. Yeah, there's a lot going on in this movie. There, like I said, this the subplots alone and the motivation of characters this may be one of the most complex marvel movies to date and i'm glad they did it for the record i would say killmonger is my third favorite marvel villain behind loki and kingpin and he's tied with the purple man because i i know your opinions are different but i i like Killgrave a lot but that's what about zemo uh... Zemo's interesting, but I feel like Zemo does not get the credit he deserves. I okay, Zemo's not like bottom tier or anything. Like he's not Whiplash level or Ironmonger level. Actually, here's the thing about Ironmonger. I want to say I actually really like Ironmonger as a villain. He's kind of force of nature-y. He's not really complex, but he serves as a um a dark amplification of Tony Stark, and that's why I like Ironmonger. But I totally understand people who put him at like the bottom tier of Marvel villains. Uh, even I feel like there's something to be found in most Marvel villains, like even Abomination, like as simple as Bo- Abomination is, and he probably is like bottom tier of Marvel villains. There's still something interesting in like just that simple scene of him when he's still human, like squaring up to the Hulk and being like, come on, like you get a you know good view into his pathos. It's just that uh, so I, I feel like Zemo. Similarly, we see most of the time with him is him doing like ridiculous levels of uh planning essentially predicting stuff that people have criticized he should have no way of predicting i don't actually not bothered that's by Zemo's that gimmick though yeah like i said i'm not bothered if by that Batman can get away with it yeah i just feel like uh zemo even as a villain doesn't fe- okay here's the main problem with zemo for me he is way overshadowed in the movie because civil war is basically avengers 2.5 and yeah. and while zemo's actions as I said before, the the villain is you know the antagonist. They are the the action heroes of the reaction, and that's certainly true because Zemo basically sets uh, the whole a lot thing of in motion. not the whole thing. Because, well, yeah, it's true. There was pre existing. Yeah, it's more like there was already going to be uh, like the civil war without Zemo's interference. Zemo just focused it, narrowed it to a very personal story, and that's great. But there's a reason why you know his antagonism with the villains is not or with the heroes is not what stands out in that movie (laughs) it's the hero's antagonism with each other yeah and to get us back on point i will say though i like what their marvel's doing now where they don't kill off their characters they sideline them for the potential to come back later well they're not going to get rid of their toys if they can use them to do interesting things the whole first two phases was nothing but that 
What well, happened yeah. to Red Skull? <laughs> I still am not convinced that Red Skull is dead because... Oh, he's not dead, but it's just kind of like they didn't think that one through. Well, I think that's more that... um. Oh, suddenly his name escapes me. I love that actor, Hugo too. Weaving. Hugo Weaving. That's more that Hugo Weaving uh, doesn't want to put the red makeup on again. <laughs> Which I understand. But I mean, the whole first two phases, they sideline their villains. They haven't done that so much lately, but that kind of brings us back to this one. They have Killmonger's entire story in this movie, but... Honestly, I feel like that's all you needed. He was a one-movie villain, where I think others had the chance to expand. His whole story arc is there, beginning, middle, end. Yeah, yeah, sure. I feel like most of the villains that they've killed, though, were similar in the regards that I would... Okay, so Red Skull's a good example of, yeah, they shouldn't have done what they... Well, like we said, we don't actually believe Red Skull's dead, but Red Skull's definitely the kind of villain you can bring back. But, like, yeah, Ironmonger and Whiplash... Um, Whiplash, you could have had some building with, I think. Eh, I feel like if you're going to have a recurring villain, let's use you know the gold standard for Marvel right now, which is Loki. They have to have a very two-way connection with the hero. Like um, Whiplash's example, his connection with uh, Tony is is completely one-directional, really. Um, him having his opinions and feelings and actions towards Tony, whereas Tony wasn't even aware of his existence until then. Whereas Loki you know, was the brother of Thor. Like, that's a very, that's two-way. There's a lot you can do with that. So, like, Red Skull, you could have done something with because of, like, the kind of mutually shared history that him and Captain America have, as well as, you know, both being veterans from the same kind of war and having fought each other over years because one of the great things about Captain America, the first soldier, is how it was, like, a, you know, an epic story over years. So you could have done that kind of stuff, but... And the ideological differences. I don't know. But no, they're kind of moving towards more, okay, let's bench this character we brought back later, potentially. Uh, I still want to see Abomination. I still want to see the leader. I don't know if I ever will, just because of the weird ownership rights of Hulk. Yeah, Hulk is in weird rights limbo right now, for those who don't know. It's the reason why they haven't made a Hulk movie. Yeah. But no, like I said, Killmonger. I think this is one of the first examples of a fantastic Marvel villain that has one movie and only needed one movie. His story arc is there, beginning, middle, end. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, and I, I mean, I feel like we're talking a bit much in the villain. Uh, Chadwick well, Boseman. Hold on, in all fairness, fairness. In all fairness, like I said, man, uh, he he kills it, and that's a common criticism with Marvel movies is that they tend to you know have weak villains. But uh, that's Not what makes yeah, well, that's what makes it interesting to talk about, like. You know, we know, as I said, most of these Marvel movies are built to build up their protagonists. So, like, there's not a, a Marvel protagonist other than Iron Fist that um, has really, like, failed to be interesting. So Yeah, so I think well, let's talk about the other side of the coin with these uh, heroes and the supporting characters. Um, well, let's simple start with question. the supporting characters. Well, I was going to say, simple question. Who is your favorite character in Black Panther? And I'm not saying supporting. I just mean your favorite character, period, because mine is a supporting character. <laughs> M'Baku was pretty good, but I'm going to have to say either Suri or the chief bodyguard. Oh, um, you mean to uh, deny? No, no, that's that's no, that's that's the um, oh, I can't remember. Oh, no. Uh, Ramonda. No, that's my, I'm just looking up names trying to but it's not in good order. Never mind. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, it's the handful of those characters I know from the comics, the handful I don't. Like I said, I'm probably going to have to go with his bodyguard. Um, badass warrior woman with a great dry sense of humor. Let me double check. That is, yeah, that's uh, Okoye. Okoye? Okoye? It's O-K-O-Y-E. 
is her name. I can't pronounce that. I'm sure someone will let us know proper pronunciation somewhere. Yeah, I'll butcher it. Whatever. Uh, so no, she was favorite? awesome. Like that that moment, and easily. Okay, so one of the great things about Black Panther is that the action scenes don't actually stand out in my head too much. That sounds like a criticism. Actually, it's not because the action that is good is really good. It's just that most of the best things about the movie aren't the action beats. So it's like yeah, an action no. movie that's a lot more interesting. The action was fantastic, but the story itself is so complex, it kind of overshadows... Well, not overshadows, but that's what you take away. You're thinking about the story more than you are the action beats. But as far as an action beat goes, one of the easily best ones is... Uh, I'm going to call her Okoye, just until until I hear it pronounced properly, is when Okoye does the, like, pull out a vibranium spear, throw it through a moving car so that it lands in the road in front of them and then the car crashes into that spear like that was awesome yes no just like i said the sheer badassery or the final uh, the big you know fight for wakanda when these women are out there kicking ass leaping over each other oh and, yeah and especially uh, i love that that line um that she has when uh with her lover and he's like would you would you really kill your lover and she goes for wakanda Yes. <laughs> we'll get back to him. I have issues with him, but who's your favorite character? Oh, uh, definitely Shuri, T'Challa's sister. And yeah. I admit, I'm biased as hell because I'm an engineer and I like tech characters, but she was hilarious and adorable, and I want to see more of her. I want to see her, like, school. Uh, I love the idea of, like, her meeting Tony Stark and Tony yeah, pulling out, like... Yeah, latched onto that idea. <laughs> yeah, for good reason, right? It's going like, to be I'll... awesome. <laughs> Yeah. Well, it's funny because when you think about it, Tony's tech isn't necessarily behind Wakanda's. It's just different because, like, the arc reactor in his chest, for instance, is uh, basically infinite power. And that's the main important piece of tech that he's. I mean, it's not actually infinite, but for purposes of what he needs, it's pretty much infinite. So, whereas, you know, Wakanda's powered by vibranium. So, it's like if Tony had access to large amounts of vibranium, then he'd probably be, because, you know, Tony's what's supposed to be like the third smartest person in the marvel universe behind like reed richards and dr doom so uh but i love the idea of him like pulling out like a cube or something and be like oh this does x y and z and then shuri just like pulls out a bead it's like oh this does that but better no i'm really looking forward to the interaction i'm curious i want to see the blending of the tech between wakanda and what tony has because you know they're going to do that i'm really curious to see what we're going to get out of that. By the way, uh, the the lover is Wakabi. Yeah, Wakabi, I believe. So just, I'm never I mean, going to remember these names. Yeah, but at least we have personal. Them. But the names I remember, I remember because I've read the comics and watched the shows they're in, so they stick with me. True enough. Like I didn't catch. They only said it one time, but like Killmonger's Wakanda name is Unjadaka. It's like an N and an apostrophe and then a J. So Unjadaka. Unjadaka. Man, my mouth can't get around those sounds so but yeah so, I, I i like shuri uh a lot so yeah. I, oh and by the way as just a tech nerd that that sand tech that thing is awesome like that was my it favorite has. technology in the whole movie just that crazy sand technology thing so let's talk about the main star uh chadwick boseman as t'challa also known black Panther. you know what my favorite thing about chadwick boseman's performance is is uh so in civil war 
he was a badass, right? But in the Civil War, his story was he just watched his father die, and he's on a revenge quest. So he has to be Mr. Grumpy, Mr. Serious, for legitimate reason, and he's awesome doing it. So this movie, like, I love the humor in the MCU in general. Like, it's one of my favorite things about it. I go to a Marvel movie expecting to laugh a lot. Like, that's part of the enjoyment of the movie for me. So I was like, all right, let's see T'Challa when he's not depressed about his father dying. And they actually let him, like, not too much, but they let him be kind of a goof sometimes. And I, I love that. The sandal scene? Yeah, exactly. What are or those just... on your feet? <laughs> or just when he first, like, sees his, um, uh, Nakia, his ex-lover, and it just does, he actually does freeze. He's like, hello. <laughs> so... Yeah, that, that was pretty good. No, it balances him out as a character. And we've talked about this before. Sometimes I feel that the humor in the Marvel movies undercuts the drama. So I really like this one. There were no, and I don't want to make this a recurring phrase, but there were no jokes like in Thor Ragnarok that I thought just totally undercut the drama of the moment, the seriousness of the moment. Yeah, I will say that, and I've said this before, I feel like that's not a problem in Thor Ragnarok because Thor Ragnarok was a comedy, not a drama, but Black Panther is definitely a drama. So I get uh why it's a good thing in this movie. But no, I was excited. When he first got announced as Black Panther, I'm like, ooh, Okay, yeah, that's T'Challa, no doubt in my mind. I think that was perfect casting. I, I love that he, um, so Chris Hemsworth's good at this too. Like, so Chris Hemsworth, when he played Thor, it was important to seem like he could be a king, right? Yes. So he had to have, he had to have like a, a kingly, a, you know, uh, air without yeah. necessarily being there. Because, you know, in the first Thor movie, he's basically a, a superpowered frat boy, which is what I love about it. He has to, you know, become a king he doesn't start as one um i feel like that's not the same case here but it's a good thing like t'challa is king-like from the first moment we meet him but we you get the feeling that you know unlike thor who i feel like maybe probably skipped out on a lot of his uh king lessons to go like fight monsters and wrestle people like t'challa on the other hand probably was like you know up early every day training and learning how to be the best king he could be he's prepared for this his whole life and you really feel that in the way he generally like walks and talks to people. And I like how yeah, smart he is. Mm -hmm. I agree. But he's definitely, you know, he feels nervous in this position. Yeah. Well, I he's feel like a part of that. not really king yet. Well, I feel like the important part of that, and it's funny because if you look at the history of movies, a lot of movies that have a story about someone taking over the role of king also tie that to father issues. I think it's it's easy to do that. It's just kind of a cliche in movies because then you get to tie the the act of taking over for king to literally being taking over for the father, and that's a very relatable thing. And they do it's it here too. That because uh, Movie Bob made a comment about how an Oedipus complex is the MCU's favorite reoccurring trope. <laughs> which once he mentioned it, I thought about it and like, oh wow, yeah, hmm. <laughs> I mean, I don't know about Oedipus necessarily, but there is certainly a, a lot of father issues in the MCU. It's father uh, issues, and then the male characters tend to go with, with, with strong female characters that embody their mothers. I'll have to think more on that, but for Trust this movie... Me, once you start thinking about it, you go, oh, well, okay, yeah, I, I can see that. Well, anyway, for this movie, like, T'Challa, right, like, like I said, I feel like he's, he's not nervous necessarily about being king, because he's prepared to do that for his whole life. He's nervous about being as good a king as his father yeah which is which is why when the um uh the glass shatters for him essentially and he finds out his father made an extremely dumb decision that nearly cost the world um 
and not only does he then basically reject his father, but every king before him to forge his own path. It's you know it's a very much uh, reject you know the the teachings of the past, forge your own path, which you know you can interpret that a few different ways, but it definitely gives him a very defined, very relatable arc. Mm-hmm. And I'm really curious to see where they go with this franchise. I mean, we know it's getting a sequel. This money movie's making money hand over fist. It, right now. I think it, it just says... outgrows opening weekend wise. Yeah, and Chadwick Boseman has signed a five-film contract. So technically two of them have happened. Third one will be Infinity War. So Yeah, no, I want to see more of this world. And that's something I haven't really felt since the first Thor. I want to live in this world. I want to know, I want to learn more about this place. The level of detail in crafting Wakanda, I think, is amazing. Well, it makes sense that you pick those two movies because those are the two that deal with very fantastic uh worlds essentially asgard and wakanda that are because like don't get me wrong i I love the mcu in general but you know like nothing in iron man is like i want to live there because that's just here it just has one guy who has superpowers and that's what most of the movies feel like but asgard and wakanda transport the audience to a completely like alien place i I shouldn't say that because you know uh, afrofuturism isn't you know otherworldly it's just african and i guess as an american it's alien to me but shouldn't be but anyway besides the point the point is it it takes you to a place that's outside of what your normal is like and it's interesting yeah but no i mean i feel like i like dr strange but i feel that was something i didn't get out of dr strange i didn't feel this mystical world they'd created (laughs) uh you know i think i kind of agree with you um i never thought about that but in dr strange i was too busy thinking about other problems i have with that i like dr strange but i've got a lot of problems with it so yeah so do i we'll talk about that at some point but no like i said just the set design and costumes designs i mean i don't know how much i can stress how beautiful of a movie this is and how every single character feels unique and individual all the different tribes feel like separate tribes and i bet like me you want to spend some more time exploring uh the uh, umbuku's tribe didn't you yeah no uh, like I said, considering what M'Baku <laughs> is in the comics, he is this big, dumb um, antagonist to T'Challa. He is constantly trying to take over and, you know, overthrow Wakanda. He's just a boring villain. And to make him this really kind of cool, relatable, fun character that I want to see more of. And especially, especially considering, I guess, his name in the comics is Man-Ape. Yeah, M'Baku the Man-Ape. <laughs> Yeah, that that's certainly problematic. I'm kind of glad they they didn't say it outright and they just left it, you know, the as part of the aesthetic of that tribe. I, I dug that. I did hear that part of the reason why they're like that is because they literally worship a different god, a gorilla god, as opposed to Bast. Yeah, that's their whole big thing. Like I said in the comic, he wears a uh, white gorilla skin on his head. Well, it's funny because um, there's a the scene near the end where Mbaku like he smacks a guy with his staff and that guy flies like 20 feet. So he may not have black Panther strength, but he's not normal either. Like they must no. have some something. Yeah. And I want to see them explore that. Again, also, he had, he had easily the funniest line in the movie too. Uh, yeah, we're, we're joke. I'm joking. We're vegetarians. Yep. <laughs> Which is kind of funny because you got to think about that one for a second. Like, Oh yeah. Cause they worship a gorilla and gorillas are vegetarian. Oh, Technically, they're omnivores, but for the most part, yeah. But yeah, that line was hilarious. So, um, as a side note, uh, Martin Freeman was in it, and he was good. 
but Martin Freeman is Martin Freeman is very functional in his yeah. roles. I kind of I I really realized how much I missed Coulson at when watching him. Like this would have been so much more fun as with Coulson. Yeah, uh, I actually can buy that. Coulson has a certain like um, I don't know what the word is. Yeah, like he's got, there's a flavor to him. But I think that's actually I think why uh, Everett Ross, which is the name of Martin Freeman's character, is maybe more apt for this because you get the feeling that Coulson would have done, like you said, been unflappable, but. The fact that Martin Freeman is kind of like, what's going on? Where am I? Uh... Yeah, he's, he's, an, he's an audience surrogate. But I mean, how cool would it have been? Have we had Coulson? You know, imagine the scene that Coulson flies through into Wakanda and he's like, oh, okay, what are you going to show him? You know, I've seen like, you can't surprise me. And they fly through and he sees Wakanda like, okay, that's something different. <laughs> I mean, just kind of that dry, humorous wit you would have gotten out of him. I really missed that. I did think it was kind of goofy at the so at the end of the movie, there's a when T'Challa's like coming out at with Wakanda, he he has a meeting with the UN. Which by the way, I was talking about this with some friends, and I think it, I love the fact that T'Challa is wearing a suit and he's still wearing those silks or whatever they are. Like, mm-hmm. I love that idea because you know as much as I love a good suit, um, it can be kind of cookie cutter looking when you've got a bunch of guys just in suits as opposed to, you know, girls in dresses. There's, you know, usually a lot of color. So just adding that silk thing around his shoulders, like this, this huge bit of color added. Anyway, besides the point. So T'Challa's giving a speech saying like, oh, Wakanda's not going to stay in the shadows anymore. We're going to, you know, help uh, the world. And some politician guy says like, you know, what can a nation of farmers give the world? And then Martin Freeman's character does the whole like, you guys don't know. And I'm sitting here like, you didn't know two days ago. <laughs> yeah. Now, there's one thing I want to get your opinion on. I've kind of gone back and forth on Is okay. now that potentially Marvel and Fox will be under the same roof. For the record, I don't think that's going to happen. But Yeah, there's there's some stuff going on. It could go. But, and, and anyone but... that comments like, oh, the ink is on the paper. I know the ink is on the paper. The problem is that it is the single largest horizontal merge between two companies in like history and it will allow disney to have a control of a roughly 40 percent of all uh like movies television and various media in the in the world and historically the united states government has been extremely scrutinizing of horizontal mergers so and especially considering we have such a conservative control right now i well i know that they tend to be very like anti-business but they're also very anti-trust i mean so just saying We'll see what happens. But assuming that does, do how one, how do you want them to introduce Storm? And do you want them to follow the same line they uh, storyline they did in the comics? No. No, no. I know that Storm and T'Challa actually get like married. And it's interesting because Storm is actually seen as a god uh by some cultures. But uh and I've said this before. Um when when the merger was announced, they there was some polls not polls but some sites that kept track of like tweets tweets using the words x-men uh deadpool uh, fantastic four and then like charting whether they're positive or negative and something like a vast majority of the tweets um about the merger had to do with the x-men and were positive and that just didn't make any sense to me other than uh marvel having control of it because as far as i'm concerned and this is largely true in the comics too there are two different marvel universes the x-men universe and the everything else universe. And while they cross over plenty of times in the comics, they do it by basically hand-waving away 
all the politics and the X-Men being part of the rest of the Marvel Universe. So really, you're better off, in my opinion, keeping those two separate. Like, Fantastic Four, definitely bring that in the MCU. Like, they can actually do it right. We've had two failed attempts at movies. Well, three, technically, that I don't want to talk about. But, like, Fantastic Four, that needs to be done. Deadpool you can do because he's um, outside of continuity, essentially. He can bridge a gap. But generally speaking, X-Men should be their own separate universe because they have a whole different set of, like, geopolitical rules going on in their universe so back to the original question <laughs> the original question is no because storm is an x-men they should not bring storm into she's a mutant mutants should be separate from the mcu in general there's the x-men universe the non-x-men universe fair enough um i'm of the mind you can and you should but in terms of should they get together i'm gonna say no for the sole purpose of I don't think that your two main black characters should be forced together just because of the two main black characters. Okay, here is the only... So, I know a lot of people, for instance, love the idea of, say, Wolverine in the Avengers or something like that, but here is the only way, in my mind, you pull that off without creating a ridiculous number of unanswerable questions. Um... And I get it. There's a, a big part of the audience that's like, you know, we don't care. I'm not going to read too much into why, for instance, uh, you know, the 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 government of the X-Men doesn't consider Spider-Man a threat or something like that, which would be, you know, the kind of questions you then you know ask. Um, but you could have them both show up in Deadpool. Literally, Deadpool, not just the character, but as a movie, is your bridge. And anytime you want to have a, an X-Men and a MCU character interact... You do it in Deadpool. You know, it's just like a side thing. I don't know. I got, I got thoughts on it, but we, are, we will have that discussion at a later point that is planned. All right. So you're against the X-Men, you know, Storm Connection. I'm for it. Um, I guess, as we kind of try to wrap it up, was there anything that really didn't work for you in this movie? Well, hold on. Before I get to that, because I do have something, um, a lot of the critics that I've listened to said that they felt like the time period from when Killmonger shows up and his opening scene is amazing, by the way, but then he's gone for like a long period of time. Uh, to me, it didn't feel that way. And I no. realized when I, no, but what I think I realized is that I think that that's an opinion that stems largely from being a professional quote unquote movie critic, you know, cause these guys got to see three or four movies a week, but they start, you know, latching on, more to like how movies are constructed right so yeah uh but since that's not the case for me i think that you know i got pulled enough in the movie that to me it felt like the time lapse between killmonger disappearing and coming back only felt like 20 minutes even though it was probably closer to like 50 so i anyway, was just more than the other things going on yeah but that's my point is though is that that's one of those things that like if that's a criticism for you uh i think i can understand why i don't know what your situation is but to me I didn't feel like it was actually that long. So I, I like my experience was different. Now, as for problems with the movie, you know, it is a Marvel movie, so it's got, you know, a number of things that kind of skims over. Like one of my biggest problems is with the beginning of Killmonger's plan. Like I can't for the life of me figure out why. Okay, I know why in movie terms Killmonger only came into Wakanda now because now is when they're doing the movie. In other words, chronologically after civil war but in world there's not really a reason for him not to have attacked wakanda way earlier there was like, a power vacuum except you had so, a transition of leadership which is an instability so by the rules given in um 
I mean, I I guess you could argue that he didn't he wouldn't have had right to challenge T'Chaka. That's what you're saying? Yeah, more what I got was he had been trained in all these special ops and destabilizing governments. And typically when a government is at its weakest is when there's a transition of power. I mean, they made that comment. I, I guess it's true. Okay, now thinking about it, it probably is the case, because they are, are kind of loose on this, that he was only able to challenge T'Challa because of his lineage and because both of them had equal claim. But he wouldn't have been able to challenge T'Chaka because T'Chaka would have been his elder. Yes. So that, and that makes sense. You know, he'd worked, he'd instilled doubt within Wakanda of T'Challa's ability to lead. Yeah. No, that makes sense, actually. Um, so that, I don't know why I didn't think of that earlier. Uh, I, I, guess I was stuck on the fact that, like, he was doing jobs with um, uh, Claw and then, like, at a certain arbitrary point killed him. But now, I suppose, if he was working with him so that he could be close enough to him, uh, and he probably didn't start working with him until after the events of Civil War, so which are about a week before the events of Black Panther. So no more in that timeline. So yeah, I guess he probably just saw like the bomb go off at the embassy, saw that T'Chaka died, and was like, all right, now time to enact the plan. Okay, yeah. that works. Um, in that case, I don't really have a problem. Like, that That bugged me a bit, but the explanation that we just kind of rolled over that you gave me works just fine for me. So no, I, I don't think I have a, a particular problem. I The ending fight was kind of like low-key, but I think it's actually appropriate for the, the character's power sets and what's going on with that. So, again, action was not the main thing I like in this movie. So, uh, no, no, I don't really have a problem. My only real problem that I have was how quickly T'Challa's friend was willing to turn on him. Oh, um, that's right. You were talking about... Oh, I just had his name here. Uh, oh, Wakabi. Wakabi. That one should be easy to remember. Yeah, Wakabi. I didn't like how he's all, Oh, T'Challa, you're my best friend. Go kill this guy. You know, he killed my parents. And then immediately, oh, you failed to kill this guy who killed my parents? I don't like you anymore. I'm going to sign up with this new guy. And then at no point, as this new guy is doing more and more things that go against the traditions of Wakanda, he's like, wait a second. I may have made the wrong choice. That okay, didn't work with, for me. With Wakabi, that doesn't bother me because I don't feel like it's necessarily uh, his character failing or anything like that. It's that... Um, is that uh, Killmonger came to him at the exact right moment with the exact right thing, right? Like, it it wasn't like a, oh, you failed to kill Claw, now we're no longer friends. It's more like, you failed to kill Claw, now I'm really angry with you. I'll, you know, I'll, I'll get and over it. I'm going to help point. kill you. No, 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 no. At, not at first. The point is, you, you failed to kill Claw, I'm really angry with you, let me just get over this. And then instead of being able to be given time to get over that, Killmonger chose that moment, the perfect moment when he's at that low point to fuel this fire by giving him exactly the thing that T'Challa failed to give him. So like, yeah, I follow that. So like if, if Killmonger hadn't shown up with Claw, I'm reasonably certain then uh, uh, Wakabi would have just like, you know, gotten over his shit after a couple days and they would have been fine. It's just that it was to you know fight against him well again i feel like it's you find someone at their lowest moment and you tell them the right thing and give them the right thing and then you fan the wrong impulse and that's what happened like killmonger was able to find this this weakness exploit it properly and basically uh fan uh mbaka or wakabi not mbaka wakabi into what he became yeah so, like, i'm sure that for instance had Killmonger gotten through with his plan, 
uh, altogether. I get the feeling that once the initial shock and adrenaline of everything that was going on weared down, I get the feeling that Wakabi would have been deeply remorseful and regretful over his actions. But it just we don't get to see have enough time to see that play out because the events of the movie. Yeah, we'll see. That was the only real thing that bugged. But there was one really cool thing I did want to point out that I noticed. And what? that's when uh, Killmonger and T'Challa are fighting. The style of, you know, fighting for the uh, challenge for who gets to be king. Mm-hmm. The style they're fighting is uh, Zulu stick fighting. Mm. Which... I did notice that um, T'Challa choosing a spear and shield, like you can't really get more practical than that. <laughs> That it was modeled after a sport that the Zulu tribes still practice today that Shaka Zulu invented to train them to fight. I didn't know that. I, my knowledge of Shaka Zulu is pretty low, so. No, I thought that was a really kind of cool nod to one of the most, you know, I think fascinating African cultures. Hmm. So I do have one more thing. It's not a problem. It's just a conversation I had. So Wretched, the guy who was on last week about... um warhammer me and him were talking about it and he had a major problem in that he thought it was weird and kind of dumb that killmonger seemed to place all his blame for like his life and stuff on one person uh, you know t'challa essentially and uh i don't see that but i feel like i I respect wretched as a you know a person so i feel like this is something i want to address real quick because i get the feeling and this is important to me um after the movie was done my lady who was had watched it with me she brought up an idea she thought that uh killmonger couldn't actually speak wakandan she was like did he just learn that one sentence uh and i said no i think he knows how to speak wakandan he just doesn't want to he needed to do it for that one sentence to to uh strengthen his claim to the challenge but I think he resents Wakanda in general. Like he wasn't out to kill T'Challa or even T'Chaka or even Zuri. Like the way he kills Zuri when Zuri reveals that he killed um, Killmonger's father is very dispassionate. He's like, you know, then you'll die too. Like it's not a, a revelation or anything. He's just like, all right, you die too. Because I get the feeling that Killmonger blames Wakanda as a whole, not any one person or any one yeah. being. And he does not see himself as Wakandan, which is why at the very end when he dies, he refuses to uh, let T'Challa heal him. And he refers to himself as descending from those who threw themselves over ships rather than being bondage. He's basically saying, I'm descended from you know, Amer- African-American slaves, not Wakandan. I, I reject your ancestry. And so, so if you think about him from that perspective, uh, challenging, like he's not placing the blame at T'Challa. T'Challa is just the person in the seat he needs so that he can use Wakanda for what he needs. But he, he doesn't actually see himself as Wakandan. Oh, yeah, no, I 100% agree with that interpretation. The fact that he burns the heart-shaped herb, that he refuses to respect the traditions of Wakanda, he's not Wakandan. He's not caring about Wakanda. Wakanda is a means to an end. Yeah, and I don't think he cares about T'Challa, T'Chaka, or Zuri, or any single Wakandan. He sees them all. in his way. Yeah, and he sees them all as part of Wakanda, the thing that the, the the entity that he blames. At least that's how I interpret it personally. I agree with that, and I think again that is preaching to this movie's strengths. Of there's a lot going on under the surface. It really yeah. is. You can days after seeing this, you can still kind of ponder over and think and go, well, hmm, and what about this? And all I hadn't thought about it really uh, breeds discussion. Yeah, certainly. Uh, I know I saw on um, Twitter <laughs> you gave it a an 8 out of 10, and I gave it also an 8 out of 10. I actually am going to, after talking with you, I'm going to bump it up. 
to like I was going to say, my, it's probably going to go up a number to nine. Yeah, I can't give it a 10 because I don't feel it's a perfect movie. Uh, and I mean, the idea of a 10 is also, that's like a whole other conversation. But yeah, I think I'll give Black Panther a solid 9 out of 10 for me. Yeah, I, I got to agree. Um, I don't know where it falls in my overall preferred ranking of the MCU, but it's a solid 9, I'd say. I mean, I'd have to really sit down and, and draw it out. Because like uh, Avengers, Civil War, Guardians of the Galaxy 2, all strong contenders for my There's favorite. a lot to go through at this point. Yeah, exactly. I will probably reshuffle my list after Infinity Wars. Well, we'll we'll probably when we do our MCU recap, we can talk about it. All right. So, let's move on to suggestions of the week. What do you got for us this week? Well, so I've decided that when it comes to these suggestions of the week, I'm not necessarily going to choose something relevant. If I can think of something relevant, I will. Uh if not, I'm just going to choose something that I think people will enjoy. So um, last week, maybe it was the week before. No, last week, I talked about a board game, Betrayal at the House on the Hill. So I'm going to talk about a different board game this week called uh, Avalon. Now, Avalon is made by the same people who made uh, The Resistance and Coup, which are the same universe. But So if you've played The Resistance, you've basically played Avalon, except that Avalon is based in Arthurian lore. Now, for those who haven't played the resistance avalon i'll just start with avalon avalon is a deception game where the 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 goal you are servants of arthur or i should say servants of camelot and you're going on holy quests to try to find the grail but what you don't know or actually what you do know <laughs> is that um some members of your group and you don't know which are actually servants of mordred who are working to undermine your quest and try they to make you this fail. on tabletop didn't they Yes, they did. They played it as the Resistance, but like I said, Avalon is a better version of it because okay. yeah, the uh, the Arthurian legend or the Arthurian lore around it are better. But plus, um, I have different characters can have different ability too in in Avalon. So, like for instance, Merlin is a servant of uh, Arthur or servant of Camelot who gets to see who the servants of Mordred are. Like you know, he opens his eyes and they raise their thumbs. Mm -hmm. Which seems like a big plus, but at the end of the game, if the servants of Camelot win, the servants of Mordred reveal themselves, and one is an assassin, and he gets to pick a servant of Camelot to kill, and if he kills Merlin, they win anyway. So as Merlin, then, you know who the bad guys are, but if you make yourself too obvious, then they can kill you and win anyway. So it being a very difficult balancing act. Interesting. Yeah, and then there are other roles like Oberyn is a servant of Mordred who doesn't get to know who the other servants of Mordred are. Uh, uh, Morgana is a servant of Mordred who um, actually appears as Merlin to Percival, who gets to see who Merlin is, but then he sees two instead and doesn't know which one's Morgana and which one's Merlin. So the point is there's a lot of different ways you can construct your game, and it tends to lead to... Uh, Usually by like the third or fourth round, you start getting people accusing others, and it becomes a <laughs> lot of yelling. But it's it's actually pretty fun. It can it can get frustrating sometimes. Like I only recommend uh, a couple games at a time, and then move on to a different game for a while. But it's a really unique experience. I love deception games in general, and Avalon is one of the better deception games. Not the best. I'm saving my best for another day, but it's definitely one of the better deception games. Huh. That does sound like a lot of fun. I'll have to look into that. Um, my suggestion is my all-time favorite movie, hands down, uh, Watchmen. I feel like you're really burying the lead talking about Watchmen this early, but all right. 
Well, the reason I chose to make it this week's suggestion is the Ultimate Cut just got released on 4K. Oh. And if you that's your thing, then I'm going to suggest that you go get it. I personally have no real interest in 4K, hmm. but if I believe I've ever owned one movie in 4K, it would be Watchmen. Um, we will go into depth about this later because one again this is my all-time favorite movie this is the movie that made me look at movies as more than just entertainment watchmen for the record is my second favorite movie and ulrich and i have had many 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 conversations about watchmen to the point where uh, ulrich's wife is um has a, a particular reaction that she gives when we start talking watchmen it's it's very noticeable yeah we turned a four-hour movie into a 12-hour movie <laughs> so but we we are aware oh. that we can um actually a uh, fun fact i would say and i mean I, I i wasn't there but i would say that the conversations me and you have about watchmen are kind of the impetus for this show to begin with at least that that kind of conversation yeah i agree and uh, no so we are going to do an episode when we go into depth of full discussion and if you don't like it, we're going to tell you why you're wrong and explain to you why you should like this movie. I won't do that, but I'll partake anyway. So This is my Dark Souls. I don't know why anyone wouldn't like this movie. Okay, fair enough. For the record, too, just quick note, we both own the comic as well. Yes, I'm a fan of the comic. I own the Ultra Deluxe Super Primo Edition. We but will since, talk about this. But since we're treating this as a suggestion this week... I would suggest if for some reason you haven't seen it, for instance, if you've been um, poisoned by some negative reviews, uh, go watch the theatrical cut and decide for yourself. There is a an ultimate cut, which is amazing and takes uh, care of a lot of like some of the minor issues, but it's like four hours long. And it's I learned firsthand trying to show it to someone. You don't show it to someone who's not already into Watchmen. Watch the theatrical cut first. And if that does it for you, then go watch the ultimate cut. Yeah, or better yet, read the book. It is a fantastic graphic novel. I yeah. think Time put it as like one of the top 10 most influential books of all time. Mm-hmm. Certainly. I did, Um. oh, I, we'll talk about this. To, uh, now I'll talk about that at length. I will say too, though, that Watchmen for the uninitiated is essentially about what would happen in the real world if uh if superheroes existed and spoiler it's not good very yeah. very bad no it explores all the deepest darkest depths of humanity and how people deal with that but again when we talk we will talk about it when we do that episode yeah so, but i was saying like as a suggestion you got to give a, a a small tidbit of what it's about so yeah i guess that's true i just wanted to gush about watchmen but also hold back at the same time <laughs> Because we will gush about this at length. Mm -hmm. All right. Again, thank you for listening. Be sure to like, share, and subscribe, and leave a comment down below. We are now on Twitter at Geeks with Shield. As also, we have a thriving Facebook group, also Geeks with Shield. Um, we post in there pretty often. It's a great way to get in touch with us and uh, give us your thoughts on future episodes. As always, this has been Lord Commander Ulrich and his Shield brother Axel Wright. Be sure to tune in next time. And as always. Stay honorable.